Have you ever experienced a traumatic life event and have you lost the light at the end of the tunnel? Do you ever wonder why or how some people seem even healthier and happier after a life-changing event? Today, we'll talk about the positive outcomes people often experience in the months and years after trauma. Welcome to The Happy Wizard. I'm your host, Dr. Shiva Guide. I'm a board-certified and licensed clinical psychologist, a public speaker, and an educator. In this podcast series, I'll be sharing strategies to help you heal from the past, navigate everyday challenges, and create a much more meaningful life. Hi, I'm Dr. G, and I'm excited to talk to you today about an old concept with a new name, post-traumatic growth. So in recent years, there's been a shift in the field of mental health. You know, research traditionally explored and studied pathology, right? You know, all the things that go wrong and cause disease. But in more recent, like, you know, past couple decades, research has actually shifted the focus to learning about people's strength and this idea of resilience. I really like this because I think just focusing on the negatives, you know, the weaknesses, the flaws, all the ways that we're fucked up. I mean, that's really a little depressing. And I think that it could potentially leave some people feeling even more hopeless. Um, And if your default's depressive in nature, then this could be actually very dangerous because focusing solely on the pathology and so all the things wrong can possibly exacerbate your current mindset or a person's current mindset. Now, don't get me wrong. We still have to identify the things that need fixing, like unhealthy habits of how you think or how you feel, how you behave. But I think that the field is really onto something. And by capitalizing on people's strengths, that sounds pretty good to me. One thing that people have been trying to understand in recent years is how some people seem even better off after trauma and maybe even get to a higher level of well-being or health than they ever were at any point before in their lives. And I can tell you that I have witnessed this over and over and over again in the work that I've done, and I've also experienced it myself. You know, it's not actually an uncommon thing. This phenomenon of growing past or, you know, above and beyond uh, is maybe another way to put it. Your trauma has been called post-traumatic growth or PTG. I kind of like to think of this as the growth beyond a previous baseline. You know, remember, if you get stuck after trauma, I mean, that means you weren't really healthy, you know, in terms of thought processing and mindset, worldview, you know, the way you interact with people, how you behave, whatever. I've had over the years, just so many patients who have said, I want to be the old me. I just want to be the old me. And I always have to just call a quick time out and emphasize, no, 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 no. Old you got you stuck. I want new you, right? I don't want old you. You know, sure, maybe, you know, you may not have realized you were unhealthy because life was good. You know, you didn't have any major problems. No traumas happened. Things went your way. You know, you generally had resources when you needed them. But then the moment you experienced your trauma, you got so stuck and so sick and you failed to recover and you developed PTSD, that is an indication that there was something wrong before. There was some genetic biological predisposition or something from your early learning 
or your lifestyle, uh, you know, and so forth, so on. There's something that was not totally healthy before. Also, remember, in order to experience post-traumatic growth, you have to have some room to grow. And that's the caveat I have to put out there. If you are already a super healthy, like legit super healthy, mentally, you know, super healthy and well-adjusted person prior to trauma, then, you know, first of all, you probably didn't get stuck or develop chronic mental illness. Um, so you're, you had a brief recovery, you know, quick recovery, and you, it brought you back to your healthy baseline. So there really isn't too much room to grow, but if you were previously not healthy, you maybe had a history of trauma, maybe in your childhood or young adulthood or whatever, then you might have lots of room to grow. And the goal would obviously, you know, not just to get you back to that baseline. My goal with my patients is to get them beyond that, that baseline. Because your baseline before trauma might just have not been as healthy as we want it to be. It might have included a lifestyle, you know, and a mindset of, you know, being emotionally constipated or avoiding things that stress you out, you know, coping with stress by drinking, so forth and so on. You know, maybe not having a very strong social support network, those kinds of things. Yeah, you know, when life is going well, those things might not get you, but if you have a real life crisis that suddenly happens, you're screwed because, you know, all the monsters are going to come out of the closet and you don't have a choice to avoid anymore. Um, so, okay. So let's define some words here. What does post-traumatic growth actually mean? Like, you know, what are we talking about? Um, well, we're talking about change, right? Significant change. And generally we're talking about change in the positive or desirable direction, right? Which is to be healthier, happier, you know, have greater longevity and, and so forth and so on. Some examples uh, of things that might happen when you grow beyond your baseline is uh, that after a traumatic experience, you have just a complete shift in your priorities. Um, I can tell you that after the Route 91 massacre in Las Vegas in October of 2017, there were many people I spoke with and who attended my groups, uh, support groups over that year, who talked about how before the massacre, they were just total workaholics. They were always busy and work was their priority and they thought that that was what they wanted and that's where they derived their fulfillment from. But now, after this traumatic event, they realized like work didn't even matter. You know, sure, you need to work, stay off the streets, pay your bills, but work was just not where it was at for them. And they started to realize that there were areas of their life they neglected that they did not want to neglect anymore. Um, after a traumatic life experience, um, like a near-death experience that you ex- that happens to you or a loved one, it's also um, not uncommon, and maybe some of you have experienced this, that family and friends um, or health or something like that suddenly becomes a priority. Um, and with the shift in priorities, we might also see some big changes in our lifestyle or our career choices. If you've gone through something traumatic, maybe you suddenly had just great clarity in your life's purpose, you know, uh, maybe you started thinking about existential things and, you know, questioning like, what is my purpose? Um, what is the legacy I want to leave behind? 
What happens for a lot of people, and sometimes this could also be by necessity, not necessarily choice, is that they're forced to go into a a totally new direction. Um, And a perfect example of this is when the global trauma started in 2020 with COVID-19. You know, many people found themselves out of jobs or suddenly working remotely. And all of this really forced all of us, I think, to adapt quickly and to adapt, period. Um, Many people ended up getting stuck at home, isolating with a new friend or partner um, or a long-term spouse, and then after that found themselves getting married or um, committing further to the relationship or getting divorced because it brought things to light. Many people decided that they didn't want to work or maybe they had to stop and stay home to care for young children or elder members of the family. And in the process, maybe they realized it made more sense to homeschool or or not work permanently. So no more child daycare expenses, or maybe, you know, they just had a greater appreciation for spending time with the family after all of this. When we go through a traumatic life experience, sometimes there's more connecting to other people or connecting in new ways. So after Route 91, people came together to help themselves, but also other people. And and many, many people in the community made new lifelong friends across the world. I can at least tell you uh, this about the Route 91 survivor community. Our population has reached out to survivors of other mass shootings ever since 2017, And of course, uh, you know, there were survivor groups before that, before the Route 91 shooting that had probably done the same. It's not necessarily a happy reason that people are connecting, but there's a healing in that universal humanity and that togetherness. And don't forget that we need people to be healthy. We don't need a ton of people, but we at least all need a small, intimate, you know, collection of people, even if it's just people you can count on one hand. Um, And that keeps us healthy and happy and witnessing our lives and vice versa. You know, all the happiness research that we've done for a hundred years has taught us that it's the relationships that we foster with other people that keeps us healthy and gives our lives meaning and purpose. Um, And we also tend to have more happiness when we choose careers that make us feel in some way that we are contributing to the well-being of other people. So when COVID locked the world down, perhaps you, like me, found yourself sitting at home alone with limited options for leisure activities, um, especially if you're a very sociable person and you did most things outside of the home. So maybe you started exploring some new things that brought new meaning into your life. I hope some of you did. Um, I'll share, uh, self-disclose a little bit about my journey through uh, the first uh, bit of COVID. Um, I suddenly explored, I suddenly discovered the world of Asian dramas, which of course at the top of the list is Korean dramas. And after watching thousands and thousands of hours of K-dramas, I probably shouldn't be too proud of that and advertise that. But I actually started learning words. And then I realized I really love the culture, the food, and the language. This has got a lot of similarities to some of my heritage. So now I've started teaching myself Korean on Duolingo. And of course, you know, a trip to South Korea is at the top of my travel list once COVID's under control around the world. Okay, so will I ever be able to use all this language? Who knows? I mean, probably not much, but it has given me a sense of meaning and purpose in a pretty scary time in world history. 
I've discovered and explored like this entirely new continent that I never really was very familiar with and I've never traveled to. And I'm actually really proud of myself for how much new stuff I've learned. You know, I can actually identify which Asian country a person is from with surprising accuracy based on appearance and just listening to the language. And I love languages. So let me ask you, did you learn some new stuff over the past couple years? You know, did you decide that you're going to learn piano or guitar a musical instrument. It's easier now than ever before because everything's gone virtual. And there are a lot of apps and programs that can help you do it in ways that were never available to me when I was younger. You know, did you start communicating with people across the world? Um, the global pandemic brought us videos from like balconies of Italy and, you know, all sorts of really funny memes, stories, you know, teaching us about other countries and other peoples and how other people have been managing we got to witness natural phenomena that we've never seen in our lifetime, like, you know, wildlife roaming around in the middle of the cities. Did you start learning a new language or sign up for a class or for college? Did you decide to start writing that book or developing yourself in some way, personally or professionally? Or did you start journaling? Did you start writing poetry? These are all examples of growth. I think one thing that to me goes without saying, but I guess I can't say that because people do respond to trauma and crisis differently, but after almost dying, even I had a renewed sense of gratitude for what I have and my life in general. And I use the word renewed because I already had a sense of well-being and happiness and really considered myself pretty healthy before the 2017 massacre. But I will say that even though I had tremendous gratitude and um, no major distress in my life prior, but we all need reminders from time to time. It's easy for humans to slip into a state of complacency when things are just kind of going along as normal status quo. Another change that can happen after a traumatic experience is that you may have a renewed sense of spirituality or faith. Um, it can also go in the other direction. When people uh, develop a longer-term trauma disorder, often um, I do hear from folks who get sick and stuck that they no longer believe in God or have a sense of faith or spirituality. But we are talking about recovery, and often people who are experiencing post-traumatic growth may become more spiritual or reconnect with a sense of spirituality in their lives. And, you know, again, I use this term spirituality in a very broad sense, not to equate with uh, religion or faith. I think that there is room for spirituality in everyone's life. So these are some examples of what it means to grow beyond our trauma and to experience post-traumatic growth. It's important to keep in mind that humans and animals in general are highly resilient. I mean, that's why the majority of people who experience trauma recover naturally. Um, it's normal to bounce back and get back on track after crisis or after a life-threatening or a life-altering event. And especially if we have the resources, we should be able to do that without too much trouble. And don't forget about some of our earlier podcasts on life balance and self-care and resources. An interesting thing about resilience that I want to offer here is, and there's been a, a lot of really cool new research on this, we, th we believe that resilience is strongly correlated with the character trait of optimism. So let's first define resilience. 
The American Psychological Association in 2014 defined it as, quote, the process of adapting well in the face of adversity, trauma, tragedy, threats, or even significant sources of stress. Let's talk about optimism. Optimism is basically our ability to expect a positive outcome in any given situation, right? So our disposition, being a more or less optimistic person, ends up being how we explain events in our lives. Um, It contributes to that way that we tell stories. People who are more optimistic are able to shift focus or at least identify some of the positives in a situation, whereas people who are pessimistic will often only see the negatives. Interestingly, we've also learned more recently that there's a genetic piece here when it comes to optimism. We call it genetic or dispositional optimism, which is you know basically our tendency, like being hardwired um, to be optimistic or not. Optimism, and thus resilience, is linked to better health outcomes, Um, better pain management, better immune system and cardiovascular functioning. I mean, just in general, being more optimistic helps you function better physically. Um, Think like things like sleep. Um, Being optimistic also helps our interpersonal relationships, right? That's an obvious thing because being around a Debbie Downer is really exhausting and depressing. Um, Some of you know because you live with one. Some of you are the one and you probably exhaust yourself. Um, It's not fun. All right. So some of you are probably thinking right now, okay, Dr. G, you want me to be fucking Pollyanna, right? Some of you might not be old enough to know the reference and who she was. Um, It's an old movie and, uh, and I recommend that you watch it. No, I am not asking you to be Miss Pollyanna. I mean, really, because if we only see positives and even exaggerate them, that's also getting us too far away from reality sometimes. Okay, so without being a mind reader, um, I have a feeling that some of you listening right now are feeling a little discouraged. Maybe you're thinking, well, shit, nobody uh, in my family is optimistic. There's no hope for me. We're all a bunch of depressed people at home, and we have depressive ways of thinking, and that's how it's always been. Uh, so maybe you are not feeling very hopeful about your ability to be resilient or to foster optimism. Please don't lose hope. The good news is that we can actually learn to foster and build resilience and work towards being more optimistic. I mean, let's think about it. I mean, sure, we all have hardwired sets of tendencies, um, and those are biological and genetic for the most part. Some are learned. But can't we also learn to tell stories differently? Um, Can't we learn how to think differently? I mean, that's actually the only thing we have control over. We can learn to think differently, to tell stories differently. We can practice something we call attention refocusing, shifting our spotlight to the positives, or maybe at least trying to think about things in balance. We can. And like any other skills, Practice, practice, practice. You know, at the end of all of this, it's about our stories. It's about the ways we choose to see things. And that will ultimately determine how you experienced your life and everything in it. There are many lifestyle habits and tools that we can use to improve our well-being. I have podcasts exploring all of these separately. Um, But just to remind you about what they are, they include things like practicing self-compassion 
regular exercise daily if possible. Eating healthy, food is medicine. Minimizing drugs and alcohol and other toxic substances you might be um, taking into your body. Getting enough sleep, staying socially connected, you know, helping other people, developing yourself, new skills, hobbies, um, learning to relax, taking a time out. If you're someone who schedules every minute of the day, learning to slow down, being spontaneous, have fun and be silly once in a while, right? Be childlike. Um, getting and keeping perspective, holding yourself accountable for your stories. And that's where we get into some of the cognitive behavioral work. And then finally, you know, practicing radical acceptance, understanding what acceptance and forgiveness and those topics are. So here's some homework for you as we close out this series on trauma. Think about your current baseline. Has it been lower Or did you grow in some ways after a traumatic life experience? Are there more areas in which you would like to grow? And if there are, and you're not quite back at baseline, or you recognize that your baseline is not as healthy as you'd like it to be, what's keeping you from doing that? Please check out our earlier podcasts from September to December of 2021 on self-care, life balance, compassion, and all of these other topics. These will offer you lots of ideas and ways um, and tools that can help you improve your situation and build more resilience and foster more optimism in your own life. Remember, regardless of your age, how sick or stuck you've been, or how long you've had trauma symptoms, it's never too late to recover and turn your life around. It's time for change, and that time is now. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope that you've learned at least one new thing that you can practice this week. Please feel free to share feedback and submit ideas for future topics at happywizardpodcast at gmail.com. Take care. Stay safe and healthy until we meet again.